Praise the Lord. Well, thank you for coming out on this beautiful Florida sunshiny day. Jacksons have come down from north, been here for a few days. And uh, Lord bless you, brother. You've got to enjoy this Florida sunshine, you and your family. So glad you got to come to see what Florida weather was all about. People brag on this all over the world. It's beautiful weather. Thank you for breathing rain and, and being here on a Wednesday night. I know the Lord has something good for us. If you'll turn to the book of Acts, chapter 2, verse number 46. We're going to start a little series again here this evening. And we're just going to lay a small foundation. Try not to keep you too long. See if I can't let you go and get you in your cars before it turns too dark. And uh, you can get your way to the house in this weather. But I'm just so thankful uh, that you came uh, here this evening. Uh, to hear the word of the Lord and to be in the house, in the house of God. Amen. To our guests, we welcome you. Uh, to youth that may be with us, uh, I believe the ages uh, 12 to about 25, they are having their service, uh, their own service in the back. If you want to go uh, join them, I know you'll be blessed there, but you're welcome to stay here with us uh, as well. Book of Acts, chapter 2, verse number 46 uh, through 47. This is right after the outpouring of the Holy Ghost. It was right after uh, when they were uh, in the upper room. Uh, and the Lord, uh, the word of the Lord says that uh, the Spirit of God came into that room. Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. And it filled all the house where they were sitting. And uh, they were filled with the power of the Holy Ghost. And Peter staggers out with the other 120 that was there, stood with the 11, and preached the powerful gospel of the death, burial, and resurrection. Glory of God moved mightily. In verse number 37 and 38. And uh, there were 3,000. Uh, baptized uh, on that day and the birth of the church everybody say the birth of the church the church begins right here this is where it starts it sets its precedence and um, it it lays down the example uh, for us to follow and this is what I want to talk about for uh, a few weeks if the Lord will let us. I began this, I talked a little bit about this to our men uh, on, on Sunday. Uh, a little further into the message, I won't be able to get to that tonight because I'm just going to lay a foundation here uh, this evening. But I want to talk about the church. Uh, what is the purpose of the church uh, in the world today? Why do we come together? Why are you here tonight? Why, why do we gather? Why don't we just Skype one another? You know, right? We got that technology. Why don't we just Skype one another? Or just everybody pick up the phone and call or some other type of technology that we have uh, here today. Well, I'm going to tell you the Bible tells you why. There's a reason we come together. There are things that should be accomplished in our church services uh, for one another, for others, for Him. Uh, there is a purpose in this ecclesia here today, this meeting uh, here today. Acts chapter 2, verse number 46. And they, everybody say the church, and they continue daily with one accord. Everyone say daily. One accord, where were they? In the temple. Breaking bread. Not only were they in the temple, but where else were they? House to house. Did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart. 
praising God, having favor with all people. And the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. You don't have to go there, Sister Don, but real quick, 1 Corinthians 14, verse number 23, just the first half of that uh, verse. If therefore the whole church be come together into one place. Everyone say the church comes together. Say the temple, house to house. The church comes together. Lord, we ask tonight that in the beginning of this study that I feel you've laid upon my heart. Lord, that you breathe revelation upon us. That somehow we receive understanding. That what goes on when we gather is so far beyond our comprehension. The impact that it has in the spirit world. The impact that it has in our personal lives and upon the church itself. God, I pray that you minister to us. That we grow with this study. That we receive understanding that when we come together... Lord, we will be aware of what is actually taking place. And we will be able to participate in it and be stronger with it and see greater results because of it. And everybody say, I am a part of the church. Turn to a couple of people around you if you can reach one of them. And just tell them, I'm a part of the body of Christ. I'm a part of the church. Amen. God bless you. You can be seated. So we're just going to lay a little bit of a foundation here uh, this evening. And uh, we want to we begin this study about the church. Listen, there's nothing more powerful on this planet than the church. But we know, we know, you don't have to... Uh, Watch uh, religion today or listen to religion today or read about religion today very long to find out that the world has turned the church into, uh, for the most part, just a social gathering. Now, church does have an element to it and we'll get to that later, that deals with a social gathering, of us coming together and just relating with one another. There is a small part to that, but it's a small part. It's not the whole part. And uh, there are so many things that the Word of God talks about uh, concerning the church. Now, when I say the church, that's the first thing we're going to deal with here tonight is we're going to try to get a, a better understanding of of what the very term the church means. Because today it has been distorted and polluted. Uh, you and I, we, uh, we drive down uh, the street and uh, we'll, we'll look at a building and we'll say, well, I wonder whose church is that. And I understand where our lingo is coming from, but you are biblically incorrect with that statement. That building is not a church. It is a building. Now you can call it a temple. You can call it a synagogue. But you cannot call it a church. And we're going to find out biblically why that is the case. However, we have allowed religion to adopt us to this lingo and type of communication. That we conveniently use that word. My, my hope is that over the next few weeks that we will get a, a, a much better understanding of what the church is in this world. And who the church is in this world. One of the scholars uh, was commenting on translations and uh, he 
uh, was talking about the King James Version and, and uh, Bible, and he was saying that, in his opinion, uh, it was the best English translation that existed. However, he said there, were, there are two words that King James purposely determined to use in the English translation. The, the ones that were doing the, the translating wanted to use a different word. But because, because of the, uh, the, the uh, surroundings, the, the government, uh, the religious and political pressure, uh, he chose to use two words that were very similar and accepted, but not the correct uh, interpretation or translation. And uh, one of one of those words, first word we'll deal with, is the word baptism. The word baptism. In the King James Version, uh, it'll use the word baptism when it should have been baptisma. And uh, you say, well, uh, you know, what is what is the difference? Well, it's huge. It's it's humongous. Now, thank God for the Spirit of God. Thank God for truth. The Bible says, if you'll seek truth, you'll find it. That if you'll knock, the door will be open. Right. So those who and and I have always believed this, that those who are truly seeking God from uh, from their heart. That God has preserved his word in such a way that every man who wants God can find God in his word. And not just find God, but find truth. And know that, that there's only one God and his name is Jesus. And uh, to know that there's only one way to be baptized and that is in the name of Jesus. And to know that without his spirit, you're none of his, and that when you receive his spirit, you will talk in tongues, that the Holy Ghost will give you that utterance. Now, God has preserved his word in such a way that any man that is seeking truth will find truth. And that is the reason why you're here today. You have found truth, and you'll never let go of it. Now, if you if, if any of you were sort of like me a little bit, and I don't know, maybe you was raised in this truth, and you were raised as an apostolic, God bless you. You didn't have to go through the craziness that some of us had to go through. I was, I was uh, raised of the persuasion of, of Baptists. My mother was raised Catholic. She got an experience, a powerful, I believe she was filled with the Holy Ghost, but she got a powerful experience in a Baptist crusade. They drug her out and set her outside the tent. It was a tent revival. They drug her out, set her outside the tent. And uh, because whatever was going on with her, they, she, they didn't want that going on on the inside. And uh, she came away from the Catholic church and began to go to the Baptist church. It wasn't long they kicked her out of that. And, and uh, that's because she was preaching divine te or teaching. She was a Sunday school teacher. She was teaching divine healing. She was teaching the infilling of the Holy Ghost. She was teaching to live a separate life. And finally, they just had to say, look, we don't do those things here. You know, you have to, uh, you have to leave. You, you, you can't teach those, uh, those things here. And so, uh, but I was still uh, raised uh, basically in a, uh, in a Baptist church. And I learned how to pray in a Baptist church. And I wept on an altar of a Baptist church. And I'm going to tell you right now, I'm standing before you. I felt God in a Baptist church. God touched me powerfully and I would repent of my sins. But I wanted something more than that. And finally the Lord, uh, the Lord led me. And, and uh, uh, one day uh, when I was around 16 years old, uh, I received the gift of the Holy Ghost at a woman's a globe meeting. It was on a Tuesday night and they invited the men that night. And so at a woman, of course, I blended right in with the women. My hair was long and feathered and nice and split down the middle. I looked nice. And But I came in there, and, and uh, the Lord filled me with the Holy Ghost. I left the Baptist church, and uh, I became charismatic. And I got baptized in the charismatic church. But because I had been filled with God, and I was seeking God and pursuing God, I soon became uh, dissatisfied with what was going on in the charismatic movement. 
and I'm not going to tell you why, but it, it, it just things. Anyway, so then uh, uh, somehow I made my way into the assembly of God. And, and there in the assembly of God, I was rebaptized again for the third time in the titles, Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. But I was hungry in my heart. And uh, because God knew that hunger and the hunger, my hunger and my mother's hunger. And uh, he put people in our lives. And eventually we made our way to an apostolic church. But listen to me. At 1 a.m. in the morning when an apostolic preacher put me down in the water in the name of Jesus Christ. I have never sought for anything else from that moment. I knew without a doubt I had found what my soul was seeking for. I'm telling you, if you're hungry for God, you can find him. I don't care where you are, how you've been raised, what you've been taught. God has preserved his word. He has preserved the church in the world today. And if you're hungry for God, you can find him. You can find him. But this, this word here, he used, uh, he used the word baptism instead of the word baptisma. And, and the difference is that the word baptism is more of just an action. In other words, uh, you need to be baptized. But it's not a descriptive word. It's not a word that tells you what is actually taking place. But the original word there with the translator was baptisma, which, which is more than just, uh, more than just uh, something. Uh, what word am I looking for here? A uh, 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 subject of something to do. But it is a descriptive of how you do it. And it is to be fully submerged, to make completely wet, or to be totally dyed until you uh, die, as in dying a piece of cloth, until it is completely dyed a different color. And so the, the, uh, the scholar here was saying that the religious world has been misled because the wrong word was used there. And now people are doing what? They're sprinkling. Some are spraying with aerosol bottles. And, all kinds of stuff has taken place. But the command of God's word is that we be buried in water. We be submerged in water in the name of Jesus. Now, the other word here uh, that he said uh, is a, uh, a word that has been used wrong and translated wrong. And it was done, and it was, it was done on purpose. And uh, the reason why he, the, the scholar talks about uh, King James used that word uh, baptism instead of baptismia or told his scholars to use that word was because, uh, because Catholicism had already gripped the world and they were already sprinkling babies. They weren't putting them under the water. And uh, so he did not want to offend uh, the religions of the day. And then the, the other word was the word church. And King James decided to, uh, with the translators, uh, uh, instead of uh, this word uh, ecclesia, uh, to use the word uh, church. But the word ecclesia is not church. It is gathering. It means to gather together. It means to call a meeting together. It is not a building. Uh, it is not a structure. And because the, the word was translated this way, uh, it is, it is uh, used uh, like we use it here today. Just stay with me. I know where I'm going. It just doesn't sound like it. All right. <laughs> And so he, he used this, uh, uh, in, instead of Ecclesia, he used this, uh, this word uh, uh, that we call today church. Now, the word church, the one that he used, uh, it, it means house of a Lord. Uh, now, not a Lord like you and I would speak of God, but it means house of a Lord as a, a slave owner or an estate owner or a plantation owner. It is not the same as the word that, that the 
that the translation or the original word was being used, which is ecclesia. Because all of your other English translated Bibles, Wycliffe, Tyndale, uh, uh, Coverdale translations, Matthew's Bible, the, Bi the Great Bible translation, uh, Geneva uh, Bible translation, the, the Bishop Bible translation, all of them translate ecclesia as congregation or assembly, not the word church that we use here today. Now, I understand, you and I both understand that uh, that uh, when we say the word church, uh, that many times we mean what? The body of Christ. Right? We'll say, uh, well, I'm a part of the church. We're talking about uh, the, the body of Christ. And, and why do we say that? Because, uh, or we'll make a comment like this. We'll say, uh, well, you know, the church is not a building. Uh, the church is the body of Christ. We say that because we have the revelation. We understand that, that the church isn't a building. That it is you and I who come together. But So why is this so important? Because there is a revelation that needs to be understood here. God from the very beginning of the birth of the church was trying to get us to understand something. That the church is its most powerful when it gathers together. When it comes together. When it assembles together. And so the word that is used here to define the body of Christ, to define the churches, is not the word that King James used, which means the master of a building or the lord of an estate or plantation. But, but it means to gather together. And many times in the word of the Lord when you're reading and the word church is used, and we'll get into that later, it's really the word ecclesia, which means to come together, to bind together, to be one. And it's a revelation we've got to get a hold of. Because listen, my God, listen to your pastor. We come to the building, but we never come together. We gather in this building, but we stay individuals. We stay, we come with our own problem. We draw our own little circle. We live in our own little corner. Brother Wilson, I'm just picking at you. We come to the house of God and we never really connect. A few of us might connect, but most of us come and go and never talk to a single person. Many of us will come and go and we'll talk to him and we'll be touched by him, but we never connect this way. I got news for you. You never went to church. You might as well went to McDonald's and prayed over your food. I know this is hard. You might as well should have stayed home and prayed in your closet. Because until we learn what the church is about, till we understand what that word means and what God was trying to say, what God was trying to do to us as a body. The church is a gathering, not just of individuals or individuals, but when we come together, one mind, one accord. Come on, somebody, help the preacher. And when they were in one mind, and when they were in one accord, what happened? The Holy Ghost came. The reason why the Holy Ghost don't flow the way we want to see it flow is because we never get in one mind. We never get in one accord. In other words, we never ecclesia. We never really come together. We never really bind. We never one soul, one mind, one spirit, one agenda. Worship the Lord for a moment. That's the damage that's taking place. 
because I think I can just come to church. I just come to church. Touch God. Be okay. Go home. Never minister to one person. Never speak to one individual. Except for maybe a couple of friends, huh? But when we talk, we didn't talk about God. We didn't talk about the things of God. We didn't talk about our needs or share our burdens. No. And we justify ourselves because we came to church when we really never did. We never did. I'm going to make a statement for you. If you ever go to church, it'll change your life forever. When you go to church, you don't leave the same way you came. When you go to church, you come to church with all kinds of burdens and heavy weights. But when you go to church, I'm not talking about come to a building like the world has defined it. I'm not talking about just kind of mingle in with the gathering and stay to yourself and be to yourself and woe is me and my situations and my problems and my troubles and I just come to seek God for my for my difficulties and well I, I don't want to burden anybody else. What do, you, what do you think the church is about? Bear one another's what do you think we're about? We're here. You're supposed to bring your burdens, and we're supposed to bear our burdens with one another. We're supposed to help one another carry the cross. What do you think the example was when Jesus fell to his knees, uh, and Simon was chosen, and together they carried that cross uh, on up that hill? It was an example from our Lord himself. Now, I know some, some believe, well, Simon just carried it on his own. I don't believe that, and I believe the Scripture to prove it different. I believe that Simon got under one end and Jesus stayed under the other because the Bible says he bore his own cross. And they made their way up that hill and they got to the top, but they bore one another's burdens. And it's what the church is all about. I'm telling you, we got to get a hold of this revelation. I don't know if I'll get any further tonight, but we got to get this in our heart and we got to get it in our spirit. On a Wednesday night, listen, if we had this revelation on a Wednesday night, we would all be gathered right here in this center section and we'd fill it up why because I want to be by my brother I want to be by my sister I haven't come to a building I'm in church I'm in ecclesia I'm in the gathering of God I've come one mind I've come one accord tell your neighbor you didn't come to church just in a building where a bunch of individuals have come together to praise God thank you Jesse I threaten pay people don't respond he started it out this way it's the word he used he said when they were in one mind and one accord, they had ecclesia. The church, ecclesia. It's not some lord of a plantation or slave house or that word chosen by, by the scholars which are similar but not exact. Because we are not in church until we are together. And I don't mean just together in body, but together in mind and together in spirit. That's the reason why people can come to the house of God and leave the same way they came. Because they really never came to church. They just stopped by and joined the crowd is all they did. But if we'll ever get the revelation of what church is really all about. And that when we come to the house of God, when we come to this temple, this building, this temple, 
And when the church comes into the temple, when the ecclesia gathers together into the temple and we pray together. That's the reason why, the, that's why it's so powerful when the word of the Lord says, if any two or three agree touching any one thing, believing in my name, he said, I'll do it for the glory of the Father that is in heaven. Why? Because the power of agreement is amazing. But listen, agreement is more agreement. No, no, no. If I'm going to agree with you on something, I have to understand what you're talking about. You can't just reach out your hand and say, agree with me and, and just name, you know, something. And, and, and we, I know we do it this way all the time. And we just kind of hold hands together. And we, we do this little prayer of agreement, so we call it. But if you want me to be in real agreement with you, then I need to understand what you're going through. I need to understand the situation. And then I can, I can uh, process it in my own little spiritual mind. And then when I come to the conclusion that God wants to heal you and you come to the conclusion that God wants to heal you, then the Bible says let everything be established by two or three witnesses. It's the power of agreement when we really come into agreement. That's what the church is. It's a body of believers that come into agreement. Agreement for revival. Agreement for miracles. Agreement for deliverance. Agreement to have power over all the power of the enemy. Let's clap our hands to the Lord and give God praise. No wonder he tried to steal that out. Turn church into just some kind of social get-together. Well, we, you know, uh, <laughs> my, uh, my evangelist Sunday, right? I had an evangelist Sunday. Who was that? Buzz Stewart. That's right. Great guy. Preached a wonderful message. I told at altar, no, 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 at offering, I told everybody, I said, uh, hey, why don't y'all get out from where you are and go greet one another. Man, you people went crazy. I'm like, are they starving for fellowship? The noise level went up five times. Everybody was laughing and talking. And I walked over here, my test was standing there. He leaned over and he said, Hey, brother. I said, what? He said, you think you're going to be able to get this thing back? <laughs> I said, it's going to be all right, brother. It's going to be all right. He said, okay, because I'm going to change my message in a minute. <laughs> He's worried y'all weren't going to get it all back together. Because we did a little bit of fellowship. But what a bond it creates. What a bond it creates. And I know it's not going to happen overnight. But what would happen if we really became the church that no matter what our problem was, no matter what we were facing, we knew we could walk through those doors and get with two or three brethren or a lady with two or three ladies and say, I got to share something with you. This is too heavy for me. It might be a weakness. It might be something from the outside that has come against you. It, it could be bitterness that you're dealing with. It could be jealousy. It could be envy. It, it could be so many things, right? And to know that you could share that and never, ever have to worry about it ever being repeated. It's called the church. You see, that's what the body's about. It's how God designed us. We are the healing station. 
When you go out there and you get wounded by the world, you get wounded by the devil, you get wounded by your friends, you get wounded by your family, you get wounded by your job, you get wounded by whatever it may be. The government doesn't matter what it is. This is the healing station. We ought to be able to come here as the church, the ecclesia, as the gathering, as those that become one who share one another's trouble, one another's burden, one another's passion let's worship the Lord for a moment here today oh God we love you Lord we love you we praise you so you can be seated just a little while longer here tonight I was planning on getting to page 10 or 11 page I'm on oh no, I'm on three. So I want you to I want you to understand that I'm not saying there's anything wrong with using the word church. But what we need is the understanding of what it is really supposed to mean. And that is when God's people come together. And become one. There's some other things that are so powerful about this. <clears throat> we accept the word church as an equivalent replacement of ecclesia. That's fine. Nothing wrong with that. As long as we have that revelation. In the Old Testament context. Uh, <clears throat> the Spudigan uh, often uses the word ecclesia to represent the Hebrew word krahal, I'm sure I'm pronouncing that completely wrong. It's probably more like <laughs> which means congregation or assembly. In the five Old Testament passages, stay with me for a little bit. The word ecclesia refers to the congregation of the children of Israel in the wilderness. They were the church. It's the same word that carries over into the New Testament. It was a gathering. But we can learn from that gathering. When the cloud moved, when the fire moved, did one tribe say they're going to stay behind? Moses stepped out and said, take your tents down. And every man packed up and took their tents down and every time they moved they moved together why because they're the ecclesia they're the church the church never pulls against itself never the church follows the man of God as the man of God follows Christ right as the man of God or the ministry chain follows Christ. We move together. The moment you start pulling, let me tell you how serious God is about this. The moment a man stood up, remember, remember Cora? Cora man? Yeah. There was a woman involved too. That's a different story. There's always a woman involved. It was probably Cora's wife. It doesn't matter. Anyway, I'm just kidding. There's a woman involved in my life, and it's the best thing ever happened to me. So there you have it. <laughs> Thought I'd fix that before I got home. Under the anointing. So, <laughs> all right, I'm losing track. Okay. So everybody's to move together, right? It's the ecclesia. And the moment one stood, God cut off 70,000. Wasn't it 70,000? He opened the earth and went, because nobody is going to mess with the ecclesia. Nobody's going to mess with the unity of my body. No one's going to. We're talking about how the church is supposed to be. 
We're talking about how we're supposed to move, how we're supposed to move together, how we're supposed to think together, how we're supposed to pray together, how we're supposed to do everything together. And that is what, that is what happens when we come together. We're not just a gathering of people. We are the ecclesia. We are the gathering of the body of Christ. We, we come together as one mind, one power, one hope, one strength, one force. In the authority of the Lord. And it's the reason why one of the things, the seven things that the Bible says God hates is a brother that sows discord amongst the body. Because the body is the ecclesia. And when you sow discord, healing goes out. Power goes out. Deliverance goes out. Everything begins to fall apart. Because the success of the body of Christ is the ecclesia. The glue. The stick to The staying together. Being one body. Being one mind. That's how God launched this thing. He said, when they were in one mind, when they were in one accord, there came a sound like as a rushing mighty wind. Why? Because they became the ecclesia. What God, from the Old Testament to the New Testament, had proclaimed. And this is the destruction of using the wrong word. You go back to the original writings, the word ecclesia is there. When you look up the Greek, when you, you go to your Bible and you, you follow the little arrow and put it on top of the word there, many times where it uses church or even other kinds of words, uh, 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 especially though if it says gathering or togetherness, it'll be the word ecclesia. Because it's talking about the church. 64 verses. In 64 verses in the Old Testament, it describes the congregation gathering at the tabernacle or the temple for worship. And it's always called the ecclesia. When they came together to worship, they were the ecclesia. We'll deal with that later. Another 28 verses. It refers to the assembling of the elders. So the elders could come together representing the body as a whole. And when God looked down upon it, it was the ecclesia. It was the gathering of the body of Christ. In the New Testament, Jesus uses this word uh, only three times. He does it in the book of Matthew. The reason being is first of all, the church wasn't born. Didn't even exist. So Jesus actually spoke about uh, the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven 127 times. So he didn't call it the church. He called it the kingdom of God. Or he called it the kingdom of heaven. But when Paul spoke about the church, he used the word ecclesia and he used it 63 times in his epistles. When Paul was talking about the church of Corinth and the church of, uh, uh, the church of Ephesus and the church of Rome, he wasn't talking uh, about buildings. He was talking about the ecclesia. He was talking about the body of Christ. But more than just the body of Christ, he was talking about when the body of Christ came together and became one. Just a little bit more. A little bit more foundation, and then we'll, we'll teach on this next Wednesday, Lord willing. Historical content. Those who heard, listen to this. Those who heard Apostle Paul preaching and using the word ecclesia. You know, when he was out there preaching, he would use that word ecclesia. And when they would hear that, they understood it because this word was actually used by the Greek and Roman government before the church was ever born. I'm not going to have time to get into all of this, but man, this is, this is good stuff. An ecclesia had been a common occurrence ever since the golden age of Greece. I'm going to end with this. Listen, the golden age of Greece, on a regular basis, you ready for this? 
This is so good. On a regular basis, 40 times a year, every nine days, they would blow the horns. I'm talking about the Roman government. Excuse me, the Greek, the Greek government. They would blow the horns. They would go through the streets of the city. They would blow the trumpets. And they would cry, Ecclesia, Ecclesia. And when the people heard the word Ecclesia, they knew what was being said is there is a city-wide meeting of the minds. And everybody is invited. Ecclesia, Ecclesia, citywide. One meeting for the entire city. Here it is. In this meeting, everyone had an equal voice. The bum at the gate saying, arms, arms, no education. No government position. No money. Ecclesia. Ecclesia. Somebody help me. Somebody help me. I got to get to that meeting. Why? Because in that meeting, everybody was equal. There was no wealthy. There was no poor. There was no educated. There was no uh, uneducated. It didn't matter what race you came from. It didn't matter your economic or cultural background. When you stepped into the ecclesia, everybody was equal. It's what the word means. It's not only the gathering of the people, but it's deeper than that. It's everybody in that meeting has the same rights, the same authority, the same power, the same vote. What are you saying, preacher? I'm saying when you come to the ecclesia, God's not just smiling on the preacher. God's not just smiling on the evangelist. God's not just smiling on, on the ministry. He's not just smiling on the wealthy. No wonder James said, when you gather together and a rich man comes in and you put that rich man up front and you give him special favor, God said, shame on you. It's wrong. It's not right. Why? Because in God's church, God's not going to put up with that. He's not going to let you pay, play favoritism. He don't care if one smells good and the other one stinks. If one lives in a mansion and the other one lives in a tent. He don't care if one goes to college and the other one's washing dishes and digging ditches and quit school in the third grade. It doesn't matter to God when you come to the ecclesia. When you gather together as the church, everybody's equal. God sees everybody the same. He's no respecter of persons in the ecclesia. Let's stand to our feet and clap our hands to the Lord. Come on, let's give God praise. Give God praise. Give God praise. We're in the ecclesia. We've come together as the church. God sees us as equals. Worship the Lord for just a moment. Will you thank him for this? Will you thank him for it? It's the power of the church. You can't receive that anywhere else. Oh, no, no. You can't get that kind of treatment in your neighborhood. 
You won't get that kind of treatment from the government. No. You won't get that kind of treatment from the justice system. You think you will? Who you think's going to get off? The guy with the money who buys the lawyer and the judge and the prosecutor. Thank you, sweetie. And probably a few jurors. You're not going to get that kind of treatment by man. You're not going to get. There's only two things in the eternal creation that will treat you equal. And that's nature and God. Nature care don't nature don't care how big your house is, he's gonna rain on it. Hey, Trump's house getting rained on too. <laughs> nature don't nature don't when the tornado comes through. Now I know I know tornadoes target trailer parks. I'm not sure why. It just seems that way, though, don't it? But I've seen some tornadoes tear apart some multi-million dollar homes, too. Nature's not a respect of persons. Neither is God. Not when you're in the ecclesia. If we'll, and I got a long ways to go. But if we'll get a revelation of what the church is really about. It'll change our lives. And you're the good people. You're here on the rainy, floody night. Some of y'all might not even get home. My wife says, if your street's flooded and you can't get home, come over to ours. Of course, I think my street's probably the first one, Palm Beach, that floods. I mean, it just goes under. But, no, that really wasn't an invite in case you were wondering. I'm trying to get back in your favor again, baby. We, we get this revelation, you won't miss church. Because you'll get an understanding of what you can get if you'll really come to the ecclesia. And I'll tell you what else it'll do for you. It's going to change how you come to church. It's no longer going to be, I'm just coming here to do my duty and go home. I'm coming here to get my touch and go home. I'm coming here to, you know, just because it's my obligation and I fear God. And No, no, no. God puts something miraculous together. You know how powerful the church is? The Bible says that the very power of hell is at bay because of the church. But when God takes the church out of here, you don't want to be on this earth. Oh, you you think you think planet Earth's bad now? <clears throat> no, you want to go in the rapture. You want to go in the rapture. But if you you come in here and you really become a part of the church, first of all, what's going to happen is that our services are going to be transformed because now we're one mind, one hope, one spirit, one faith binding together. And then we're going to begin to see what the church is really about. I'm not so sure, Brother Sapp, we've ever really experienced it. I think we've experienced a lot of little pieces trying to shove themselves together. But when more of us can truly get a hold of this thing and we come to church and our minds aren't preoccupied, they're focused in on what God wants and what God is going to do. Hearing the word of the Lord. And we realize that this is more than just a collection of people. This is the ecclesia. This is when people come together. And, and there's so many things in that word. When you start studying that word, I only touched on one of them. We're all equal. That's powerful. 
no matter how educated or powerful or social status, no matter how many degrees behind your name, when you enter into the ecclesia, we're all the same. Our votes have the same power. In our case, it would be our prayers have the same power. Okay, I'm rambling. Reach over and get a hold of the ecclesia. You might have to come in a little, you outskirts. All right, all right, I'll let you slide. Praise God. Oh, God, I want this revelation. I want our church to have it, God. I want our church to have this revelation. I want us to learn how to become one. How to come together and be focused on the service. God, I pray over the next few weeks that you give us great revelation of what it means to be a part of the church. A part of the ecclesia, the gathering, God's people. The body of Christ coming together in one mind and one spirit. The power that's produced. Everything that takes place when we bind together. Hallelujah. No wonder your word says where two or three are gathered in your name. There are you in the midst of them. It's an ecclesia. <laughs> oh, God. Everything changes when we come to the house of God. Everything changes when we walk into the temple. Everything changes when we bind together with our brothers and sisters and become one in the spirit. No devil in hell has power over that. Every cancer is cast out. Every disease is healed. Every diabetes is gone. You're the healer of the body. We become the body. We literally link up and become the body. We are no longer dysfunctional. We have come together as one. The heart beats. The blood pumps. The brain thinks. Mm. Hallelujah. We become one, God, one in the spirit. The legs walk, the hands reach, the body operates, things begin to happen. No power in hell can stop it. No power on earth can resist it. We speak to the mountains and they're cast into the sea. We speak to the valleys and they're raised up. We speak to the crooked paths and they're made straight. We speak, oh God, and all all of the glory of heaven is released. We are the ecclesia. We are the ecclesia. We are the body of Christ. We are the oneness of God. We are the mind of Christ. We come together. We are one. One body, one force, one power, one anointing, one movement. Jesus, Jesus in your mighty name, hallelujah, let revelation get a hold of us God, let it get a hold of this church, let it get a hold of the body of Christ, give it to us oh God, give us this revelation. Sweet Lord. <laughs> Woo. Come on, that's it. Come on, that's it. Just a few moments longer. Come on. Let's be the ecclesia. Let's be the church. Let's be that gathering that comes together. 
Let's be that mind that becomes one in the Holy Ghost. That power that becomes one. Let's come into that agreement. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise. Praise you, sweet Jesus. Praise you, sweet Jesus. Praise you, sweet Jesus. Praise you. I praise you. I praise you. I praise you. I praise you, sweet Jesus. Praise God. Amen. It's my prayer that on Sunday, somehow we'll, we'll gather Together, this Wednesday night crowd, and even though there's going to be hundreds here who are here but not here, who've come into the building but they're not a part of the ecclesia, if we can do it, if we can focus, we can become one. I believe it'll catch on like a fire. They won't even know what's happening to them. They'll just get swept up in the move of the Spirit. Now I'm going to tell you how one final way you can be a part of the Ecclesia tonight. Buy you some wings before you leave. Buy double because there's not many of you. Buy some for your brother. Help me buy that camera. I got an expensive camera I'm trying to buy. It's going to take a lot of wings to buy that camera. We buy that camera, it's going to fly away. There's going to be so many wings. All right, I love you. God bless you. That was the worst joke I ever told in my life. You're dismissed in Jesus' name. Be good to one another. Be kind to one another. Love one another. Speak well of one another. Support one another. God bless you. I love you.